Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You. I'm Ellen Trackman here with my sister, Jennifer White. Yay, I'm here. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Um, today's show is about another option um, when it comes to family building that we don't always talk about. But before we dive in, Jen, have you ever had a point in your life where you thought you were going, your life was going a certain direction and you saw this path, but there was another option that you didn't realize that was great? Uh, I think constantly <laughs> is what it really comes down to. Like when um, you were when you were a child and you dreamed of working in surrogacy, for example, is that right? I mean, I I, I truly feel like in life, you know, all paths lead you to where you currently are. Um, sometimes for the best, sometimes for the worst. Um, but you know, like even you know, many 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 years ago, you know, I I was in college and I decided I was done with college at that moment and I moved to Maine. And I got married and I got divorced. And, you know, like in those moments of like, you know, like, okay, is this the path that is my life really going on? I actually then met my current husband and, you know, like that was the path I was supposed to be. So was it the direction I thought my life was going to take at the beginning? No, but it, it was the right direction. And I went back to college and finished college and, you know, did all those wonderful things. Yeah, it kind of worked for, out. Your husband's it okay. did, yeah. Been married for 21 years. Celebrating your 21st so anniversary coming up. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it worked out. So what about you? Something that- Oh, that one was like a really good one. That was like really big. I was just like had a very small example where um, that I was thinking of. So uh, once I was studying abroad in Russia and we had this big trip planned to go to Egypt for our fall break. And then there was like this warning about Americans not going there and it was a bad time. And so like, oh no, this didn't work out. Um, but then we went to Scotland instead, which was amazing and super fun. So not not a big grand life difference. But um, you know, sometimes the option you didn't think about ultimately becomes a really great one. That's fun. No, I and I think that's speaking true. of such yeah, speaking of such options, um, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about assisted reproductive technology. Um, we also do some with adoption as family building options. Um, but one other option that people really should consider when they're thinking about all the ways they can become parents is foster care. And we're very lucky today to have an expert in the area who tells her own personal story as well as answers our questions from us knowing nothing, you know, knowing very right. little about foster care. So as asking our very basic questions to understand how it works and share that with you. Welcome, Samantha Frazee, the Foster Parent Engagement Specialist. I've been practicing and I still screwed it up. Okay, Foster Parent Engagement Specialist of Boulder County. Um, You are kind of a new and unique um, personality to the show where we haven't done foster care before. So we're really excited to talk to you about that avenue to parenting or possibly becoming a parent with foster to adoption and also to talk about your personal story of how how you went that direction so welcome to the show my long thank introduction thank you thank you thank you um, i'm excited so just <laughs> yeah so just to start do you want to tell us kind of a, a bit about yourself and who you are and you know your i don't know where you What's, what's interesting about your childhood I don't, <laughs> tell us about sure. yourself sure okay uh well i was I was born with a, a with a twin sister. I have an identical twin sister. Oh, uh, we wow. were born in Oakland, California. Yeah, 
to to uh, an English professor dad um, oh. and a teacher mom. And so I think I think I was either destined to grow up to be, um, you know, teacher, social worker or, you know, some kind of professor. <laughs> Everybody in my family is a teacher um, except me. So oh, did you well did you think about becoming a teacher? I never did. No, oh. I never I never actually wanted to be a teacher. Um, it just didn't feel like my path. Um, what did social you, work. What did you want to be when you grow up? Okay, you want to be a social worker? Uh, I think social work was really where I was heading. Um, a different kind of teaching, I guess. Um, right. I got my degree actually in Spanish. So I don't know where I thought I was going with that. Um, I think at one Helpful. point I thought I was going to join the Peace Corps. But yeah, that didn't happen. Um, uh -huh. Did you that try? didn't happen. Uh, no, really intense I, application. That's, that's yeah, really hard. yeah, I I didn't. Um, I ended up coming out instead. Uh, my sophomore year of college, <laughs> and got a, little come, what are you like? <laughs> got a little distracted. Similar, similar. Okay. <laughs> yeah, got a little distracted there. So, um, how, and I. How did that yeah. go? Uh, you know, my family was incredibly accepting. Um, I knew they would be. Um, and, and I think my experience was really unique, um, in that it was, it was just me figuring out for myself and telling my family and them saying, of course, we're okay with you. Of course we love you. And, and, you know, we just want you to be happy. Um, so yeah, really, really yeah. supportive family. How's, um, how was your twin? My was twin, twin like, was. I already, I already knew because I know everything. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she said that at any. I don't yeah. think anybody said that. Actually, maybe my oh, mom okay. said that at one point. Um, but no, I, I, I don't think. I think it may have surprised people, um, but, um, but nonetheless, they they were incredibly supportive. So, yeah. So, okay. and about a year after that, I. Um, I met the woman who would become my wife um, mm -hmm. of now 20 years. Aww. Wow. So, in yeah. College. Congratulations. In college. Yes. Oh, that is sweet. Yeah. How did you meet? Um, we just met through mutual friends in college, and um, we were friends for a couple of years before we started dating. So, um, but she was still, she was uh, 19 when we started dating, and <laughs> I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> wow. um, so 20 years like, later now. Yeah. <laughs> 20 years and three kids. <laughs> wow. Here we are. We've so did you guys know, did you know from the start that you wanted to have kids? Um, I did. Yeah, I did. And I don't, I don't know actually if she did. I think, you know, it wasn't something we discussed pretty, you know, early on, but um, I think as we, as we kind of started to, you know, decide that we were going to spend our lives together. It, there was really no question um, that we both wanted to be parents and um, it would happen somehow, some way. Um, and and it, it's, it really didn't matter how, um, but I think we were initially fixated on getting pregnant. Yeah. So how, when you decided it was time that you wanted to have kids, what path do you go down at that point? Well, you know, we, we thought we, first we need to try the lesbian old fashioned way, um, <laughs> which was, you know, donor sperm and, and me getting one of us, me getting pregnant. Um, I was older. Um, Vanessa didn't really want to ever be pregnant. Um, and that was something that meant more to me than it meant to her. Um, 
So when it came down to who, it, there was no question that it would be me um, who would carry. Um, so we, we embarked on that process um, and it was really important to us to find um, an open donor um, because we really wanted um, our child to have the option um, upon reaching adulthood to know who their donor was. Um, because you didn't know at that point that there'd be home DNA tests and no matter what people chose that exactly. would, you would be able to find that information. So. Who could have foreseen that? <laughs> uh, we weren't thinking that that yes. far ahead. So, right. um, so yeah, so we, uh, we chose California cryobank, um, uh, and, and actually, um, you know, spent a lot of time combing through different donor uh, profiles and essays and you know it's amazing what you um, what you think you can understand about somebody through through so little information and um, I am always fascinated to hear about people's criteria so what what were you guys looking for well we really wanted some but we wanted a donor who who could help me produce a child that would look somewhat like Vanessa um, and so that meant a redhead <laughs> oh, that, meant, that, that, that narrows it down pretty fast. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. So that meant an Irish Catholic type person. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, and then beyond that, we, you know, we wanted someone who, uh, you know, had a certain level of education. Um, we found a donor who really liked um, uh, Rachmaninoff, <laughs> which <laughs> my parents made me listen to as a kid. And, and that just felt like kind of wow. a sign. Um, uh-huh. So uh, you know, we, we, we settled on him wow. and he was quite popular. Oh, oh was he, uh, was he like tall and bright? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he, I think he was tall. I think we went with tall rather than, <laughs> you know, sh- a shorty. <laughs> um, not that Vanessa's all that tall, but you know, we wanted a, we wanted a tall ish kid. Um, so, um, but mostly we just wanted the child to have features that, you know, would, would look like this child belonged to us. And um, that seemed important at the time. So the fact that he was a popular donor, did that bother you? Thinking like, okay, our child might have many, many, many half siblings? You know, honestly, I can't remember even considering that. Um, I, I think my concern at the time was, are, is he going to run out? Um, and, and he did. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So he, he, it wasn't really about that. It was, it was more, you know, how many chances are we going to get to, um, to try with this, with this donor? Um, and we didn't get many. So we, we bought, I think four vials, um, which was, you know, a lot of money, (laughs) (sighs) a lot of money for us. Um, Vanessa's a teacher. I, I worked for Boulder County at the time, um, in a different position than I'm in today, obviously. Um, but you know, it, the whole thing was, we, we hadn't really foreseen all of the costs yeah. that would be involved in and what besides, creating a child that way. Yeah. What were all the costs? I mean, aside from like the per vial cost, what else kind of surprised you? Um, well, we weren't ready to inseminate, so we had to store it. Yeah. So <laughs> we had to, <laughs> You have to pay for storage and then, um, and, or, you know, risk your, your donor running out. So you kind of have to anticipate, um, how many vials 
you're going to need. Wow. That's tough. Cause then you're like, well, we all want it to happen on the first shot. So therefore we're going to assume right. it's one, but right. you know, but then you have to deal with the reality and storage costs and, oh, wow, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And then shipping. Um, so, because of course this is a bank in, in California and we're in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So we had to pay to get the sperm shipped to us, um, and, and figure out the timing of that, um, and with, what what did know, that with look ovulation. like? Did they ship it to your doctor or how did that work? <laughs> they did. Um, so I had to first, I had to get my doctors um, okay um, to, to have this done. And they didn't have a place to store it. Oh. So we had to, we had to line it up with, uh, with ovulation and, and the actual procedure, which was the biggest challenge of all. Um, as it turned out, um, because that that was the most stressful part about it, I think, was right. trying to get all of those pieces to come together oh at the gosh. right time right. Um, and arrange for the shipping um, and and not have to uh, and and the thawing of the of the you know donor sperm and yeah. get, you know getting it getting it ready um, for the procedure. Oh. Um, so okay. I think. Yeah. So we did that. What do they do to get it ready? Just they thought. Well, they had to. So I guess they had they had to thaw it because it was frozen, and then they I think they had to wash it. Maybe there was something about I've blocked it out. (laughs) 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 Some terrible memories there. Just traumatic. Pretty stressful time, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, there were some things, I guess, that they had to do on on the doctor's end um, to prepare the sperm for insemination, for IUI. Yeah, and then you go in, and it's like dimly lit, playing music. No, is it, how do you? <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, and and that was the really that was another part that that felt pretty strange actually, because you know Vanessa wasn't there. Um, you know, it, it was just, okay, you know, we got to do this. Okay. She's got a, the doctor has a slot open at 11 o'clock. That means I got to leave work and go over there. And Vanessa Um, couldn't make it that time. And Vanessa couldn't make it. Um, so I know one time, um, there were four total tries. Um, but, um, but the first try, um, she wasn't, she wasn't there. Um, and one try I had a friend with me, not Vanessa, but just a, just a friend, Mm -hmm. um, one and then one was in a fertility clinic and then one was at home. So, um, so you did all, okay. So you tried a lot of different ways that people that we did, did they really did the last one? Did they ship it to your house or how did you get it home? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, so it was, it was FedExed, um, (laughs) to to our house. so weird. I know. (laughs) But they wouldn't, you know, it wasn't like they could leave it on your porch, you know. Um, somebody had to be there to sign for it. And so, you know, that was the day that I, that I you know, got the kind of the, the tracking note that it was about to arrive and I'm uh, racing home, uh, you know, chasing the FedEx truck down, you know, oh my God. Um, to be like, no, 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 come back. You know, you have, Bring you my, have my sperm. sperm. Oh, my <laughs> <laughs> it's like, explain that one to the neighbors. Um, and then pulling a, a giant, you know, tank of, you know, a, a couple of vials of sperm, um, dragging that into our house. <laughs> And going, hello, baby, or, you know, <laughs> right. prospective baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So, wow. so that was, and that one you're just on your, and you're just on your own. Cause you just had to rush home. And right. Do it. Wow. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So a lot of that process just felt kind of isolated, you know, like it wasn't something that we were really doing together. It was me trying to get pregnant. Um, and you know, Vanessa was there for that emotionally, but you know, she wasn't there for a lot of it, um, because we were both working and we just didn't have the time to take off, you know, on that end of things, um, for all of the procedural stuff. Right. <laughs> so, um, but, the, but that's not really what we had envisioned, I guess, um, when so creating of, our child. Yeah. So none of the, the IUIs, none of the inseminations even results in a pregnancy. Correct. So as, as we kind of, I think, you know, even on the second try, um, we started looking into some other options because we knew that there would be, there, there was an expiration date on this process. And, um, did that you, we, did you set that from the beginning? Like, okay, we're buying four vials and that's it. Or how did you kind of go into it? Like, what was your mindset? Yeah, we, I mean, we really did. I mean, we, we couldn't have afforded to go any further than that. So, so we did purchase those four vials. Um, we considered doing, um, another try, um, but our donor had run out and, you know, so that put us in the position of trying to, you know, we would had to figure out another donor and, and go through that whole process again. And, and we were just pretty exhausted emotionally at that point. Um, so, so I think we both kind of, we both kind of knew that we were feeling pretty done because there wasn't, there wasn't any way of knowing how much longer it was going to take and how many more tries we were going to have to make before it actually worked or if it ever would. Um, and, um, and one of those tries was, uh, I even was on, I was on Clomid, um, which, you know, was not fun. No, no, <laughs> um, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so that, and that was the fourth try. And I was actually working with a fertility clinic in uh, Lafayette at that time. Um, but, but even just getting to the point where I could work with that fertility agency was was pretty traumatic, pretty oh. emotional. Um, they, they wouldn't work with me until I had had $800 worth of STD testing, um, because we weren't married. Um, I mean, we were, we're a lesbian couple. We weren't allowed to be married, you know, at that uh -huh. time. Yeah. And oh. so that felt, you know, discriminatory. Yeah. And, um, so, but we did it, you know, we went, we went to those lengths and we, we did that, that testing and, um, and got them to work with us. And then, you know, we did one try with them and it, it didn't work. I so don't, I don't even get it. What, who are you stopping from getting an STD? I guess your child, I guess. Is that who? I think your child. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But if yeah. you were married, they wouldn't do it. Do that. Test? I, that's, you know, they said it was the, their procedure. It was their process that, um, that for unmarried couples, you know, be yeah. they gay or straight, that, that they would get this testing done oh, yeah. um, because there was a presumption made that, <laughs> I don't yes. know. You are promiscuous, all unmarried. You are promis <laughs> promiscuous if you, right, if you're not married. Um, so, so yeah. Um, that's rough. We, how, we found out, yeah. How were you doing during this? Was it, I mean, you were just like, okay, that's too bad next, or was it really crushing? How are you, how are you holding up? 
um, after we found out that it didn't work. Yeah. So when we found out, the day we found out that it didn't work, actually, um, I got a call from the doctor's office um, during the first day of our foster care training. Oh. Um, we so, had gone okay. ahead and signed up um, for the foster care training because we knew that kids would come to us that way. We knew that we would parent, you know, for, for whatever amount of time um, by becoming foster parents. And, and that started to become just our focus was, you know, what are we really after here? We're really after parenthood, We're really after taking care of kids. And, and this was a way that we knew for sure would end in us caring for some kids. Um, and we couldn't say that about IUI um, or, or the pregnancy process. So, um, so that was confirmation for me that we were in the right place. So you, so the call wasn't as bad since you kind of were working on the next step. You saw this other direction. I mean, it was, it was still hard. I cried. I cried in the hallway outside the training, um, and had to come tell Vanessa that, you know, that we, we just got this news that I was going to be getting my period pretty soon and it didn't work. <sighs> um, and so it was like, okay, then, then we're all in. And that was October, 2009. Um, when we did our, we did our training. So, so tell us what the foster care process looks like. Well, how, how long was the training? What are you learning? Right. So back in 2009, um, we, uh, the training looked pretty different than it looks today. Um, it was a three day training and, um, it was over a weekend. So it was actually, it was over two weekends of Friday, Saturday, and the following Saturday after that. So, um, it was intense. It was, you know, it was a lot of information about grief and loss and your own grief and loss and a child's grief and loss and, um, and just parenting a, a child who has been traumatized and exposed to, you know, everything from neglect to domestic violence, um, to drugs and alcohol. Um, so it, I mean, it was, it was a lot of information, but at the same time, you know, the, my field of work at the time exposed me to uh, to families who had overlap with the child welfare system. I worked with a lot of families who were on assistance um, as a case manager. I was working with them, um, and they there was some there were some families who were involved with the child welfare system, either you know trying to prevent removal of their kids or they had just reunified with their kids, and so those issues that were kind of talked about in the training weren't really scary to us. Um, Vanessa is a teacher in a, in, you know, she's a title one school teacher and, and poverty and homelessness and, you know, drugs, alcohol, violence, you know, those are all things that impact her students as well. And so for us, I, I think it felt like a pretty natural progression that, we would care for these kids um, and, and that we could do that well um, and, and engage with their families as well. What were your expectations in terms of how long a child would stay? I assume you didn't, I assume you didn't know you'd be adopting so many, no. so many children that you, came, that you cared for <laughs> through foster care. No, we definitely did not assume that. Um, I mean, I think our, our hope was to adopt 
Um, but we knew that that wasn't a guarantee in foster care. And, and again, I think we were just in a place where we wanted to have kids in our home and, and we would be willing to do that. We would be willing to care for them for as long as, as needed. And knowing that some kids would probably get to return home and that some wouldn't and, and that we could be a permanent option for a, a child who could not return home. So I, I think we went in with pretty realistic expectations about the, the general process of fostering. Um, I don't think we could have anticipated what ended up happening. <laughs> so, um, so what did what, happen? What, <laughs> what, what did end up happening? There we go. Lead right in. <laughs> yeah. So, so we came. We went through the process very quickly. We got certified in three months. Um, we did our training in October. We did our our home study process in November and got certified in December 2009. Um, now we started our, our IUI process back in June. Um, so, so we were still kind of reeling from all of that, um, but getting really more and more excited about the fostering process. Um, so we came through really, really quickly and, and got through it all. And then we got a, we got a phone call for a couple of kids um, the be very beginning of February 2010. Um, we were certified for ages zero to five, boy or girl, didn't matter to us, um, but we figured we, we should start little um, and, and go up to age five. We got a call for a five-year-old girl and her 10-month-old her sister. And uh, the deal was that they were, back, back in 2009, Boulder County was doing something called a receiving home where a seasoned, experienced foster parent would take the, all of the emergency placements. So those emergency placements would go to a receiving home and then that would give the county time to decide whether the child was going to return home right away or we'd find a relative or give us time to find an appropriate foster home, um, foster only home. So we felt inspired. Um, one of the girls had the same name as my twin sister. Oh, and even though uh, the house we were in at the time was 896 square feet, <laughs> we had a room prepared for one child. We decided how could we possibly say no um, mm -hmm. to our first placement, uh, our first our first request. Um, and, and we wanted the girls to be able to stay together. So we said yes. And um, and then they went into their receiving home that night and were going to move in with us over the next couple of weeks. That was the plan. Yeah. So it didn't we, happen. You know, take it. So. Called, no, that did uh -huh. not happen. Oh. We, uh, we called our families. We put the 10 month old on waiting lists for daycare um, the next day. And we got a call that next night, 24 hours after getting that placement call that the judge had sent the girls back home. Oh. And, uh, and turns out that, you know, the caseworkers who make the decisions to, to, to remove kids from their homes, they have, they obviously have to back it up to a judge and they have to be able to justify their decision to do that. Um, and if they can't justify it, if there's not enough documentation presented to the judge, then those kids have to return home immediately. And so that's what happened. Um, that is exactly what happened. The five-year-old had already been in care once before. Um, and so this wasn't good, you know, that they were coming back into care. But um, 
but they they went back to their mom the next night and that was that we never met them yeah how did that never i mean i I feel like that's going to be a little similar to becoming pregnant and telling people no you you miscarried so did you have to call everyone and think no we actually it didn't happen we did yes we did and and you know you find yourself in a position of you know having to educate people about you know why that happened and how the process works and yeah. when you're not totally understanding it yourself right right um, but but that's what we had to do um, we had to call call our families and say never mind we don't we don't need beds we don't need <laughs> we don't need stuff yeah. um, they're not coming um, and so it you know that was that was our introduction really to foster parenting was saying yes to two kids that never showed up um and um we we actually they the girls came back into foster care about a month later we were told um but we didn't get that call because we were full at that point oh Um, okay then so that was a busy month what happened that that was a busy month Two weeks after we got the phone call for the girls, um, we got a phone call for a three-day-old baby boy who had been born at Longmont United Hospital. And could we come pick him up in an hour and a half? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) What time of day was it? Like, were you at work? (laughs) Yes, we were both at work, and it was about noon. And oh actually, I, and I, I assume you did not own a car seat or anything else no. or no. Yeah. In fact, they said, you know, you need to meet us at the hospital and bring a car seat. Um, so well. off we off we went to Target. Um, and I, I tell this I always tell this story at my orientations now because it feels like it's our labor story and we should get one. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> yes. Target is our labor, labor story. Um, so, yeah, Target in Longmont on a Friday afternoon is staffed by all of their senior employees who are just the loveliest group of women you've ever met. Um, And a couple of them even have Southern accents and they're just adorable. Um, But we were just panicked and so, so excited and, and having to grab, you know, whatever we thought we might need. Um, Definitely. We grabbed one of the only infant car seats that Target had at the time um, I think we grabbed bottles and a few, a few other kinds of things, but, um, diapers, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe a package of maybe diapers, diapers. <laughs> we, we didn't buy clothes. Um, and the nurses pointed that out to us when we arrived at the hospital. Um, oh no, <laughs> you, guys, you yeah. said bring a car seat. That's all you said to bring. <laughs> exactly. You gotta be specific. You know, you gotta tell us exactly what to do and we'll do it. Um, so we brought a car seat and, uh, and yeah, so we, we met, we met the social worker at the hospital and um, had some time to wait before uh, we were allowed to go into the NICU to see him. Um, and, and, you know, we had to wash our hands. We had to talk to the doctor who delivered him. I don't even have a memory of any of those conversations. Um, it was just a blur. Um, and then walking into the NICU. Was baby healthy? Or I mean, he was in the NICU, so there must have been... Something. He was healthy. He, you know, he was healthy. Um, they, they had run out of beds in the nursery or something. And so that's where oh, he right. was. Um, <laughs> Best reason but, to be in the you know, we, Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, we were, I think, not expecting the mood that we encountered in the NICU. Um, because, you know, we were in this, this craze of excitement and nerves and, 
you know, overjoyed that we've, we've gotten this call and, you know, you walk into the NICU and it's, it's not a happy place. <laughs> it wasn't a happy place that day, at least. Um, it was, it was pretty somber and, and it hit us that, you know, this isn't our baby. This is somebody else's baby. And, and sh the nurses have all been with her and this baby for the past few days. And, and she's just left the hospital you know, with, oh. within like an hour of us arriving there oh and without her baby. And we didn't completely know why yet. Um, and, and so that was, that was hard not knowing, you know, what had happened really other than um, mom was homeless. Um, but she was kind of couch surfing homeless, not on the streets of Boulder homeless. Um, and so it just seemed, it just seemed really, um, important, I guess, that we temper our excitement out of respect for the situation. And, um, and, and so yet still the nurses said, <clears throat> you know, where are his clothes? <laughs> ah. <laughs> and we said, they don't come with clothes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're pretty new to this. Um, but then they said, yeah. And where's his car seat? And like, we have oh. that. We have that. We were home alone with him uh, by about three o'clock that afternoon, and um, the social worker stayed for a couple minutes and did some paperwork, and then we looked at each other and said, "Hey, this morning we weren't parents. Now we're parents. Child class, like any kind of child. Like I know, like when I was pregnant with my daughter, like I at least went to like a childbirth class and they like taught me how to like change a diaper. Had you?" been through any of that like you know they did make us go through a newborn care class um, <laughs> okay, okay at the yeah. hospital yeah 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 so we did that we we had done that um and we learned all about how to change a diaper and you know <laughs> and the five s's um what were the five s's you guys know what were they no, it was I like um shush swoosh i don't know it was like it was about Swing. calming a baby swing yeah. the five s's and we ended up needing them my God, did we end up needing <laughs> side? Did you put a baby on the side? I feel like that was one. Yeah, that could have. Yeah, that could have been swaddle. Mm, I think. Yeah, swaddle, swing, shush, something shake, else. Shake, and, shake, yeah, yeah, obviously. Totally, totally, shake the baby, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Wow. So we, so we how had a little. Feel that you're like, whoa, like you know. Four hours ago, I was just at work, a normal day. Yep. Um, pretty amazing. It, it was ridiculously exciting. And um, we ended up um, taking him uh, to see my parents that night. We ended up just driving oh, wow. um, driving down to Westminster to see my family um, and introduce him. And which, you know, was an incredible night. Really just amazing. And, and not even knowing... Um, where it was going to go, you know, and what was going to happen that we had been entrusted with this little person. And, you know, I mean, we, it, it sounds like your philosophy was that no matter what, even if he's only in our life for, you know, a very short period of time, he's our family for today. And I mean, yes. I, like, I'm hearing that in your voice, like, there's so much love that how much we can offer, it doesn't matter how short or how long time the period was. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's a picture of me at my parents' dinner table that night. Um, and I think our, our, um, 
the, I think the baby was in somebody else's hands, but I, you know, I'm looking at him and I'm crying, you oh. know, um, because it's only been a few hours and, yeah. and we're already just completely in it and, um, feeling so incredibly lucky that we get to take care of him. That's that is amazing. incredible. So, so how did that, so we, you got to, we got to keep going forward. How, how, how long, what happened? What is the. So we, so we started um, bringing him to visitation um, three times a week for an hour. Um, and that happened very quickly. It started like the, the, the first week. Um and how does when, that go? Are you're in yeah. the room with birth mom? No, you're not. Oh, um, you're not. Oh. Foster parents drive the the child to visitation, and then we hand the the kid off to a, a case aide who takes the child into the visit. And so you don't you don't see her or meet her. N- no, not at that point. Um, we we didn't we do meet, um, but but not yet. Um, so we we had been told that you know in, in foster care training that a great way to to try and engage with parents is to start a journal back and forth yeah, and you know we couldn't imagine how difficult this was for mom um, and to to only have three hours a week with her with her son and um, and we still didn't have a lot of details about the rest of the family, were there other kids? Was this how many has she had a baby before? Um, so we just felt like we, we needed to let her know that who we were and, and you know, how he was doing. So we started a journal and, and we started on the first page of the journal, introducing ourselves as Samantha and Vanessa as his foster parents. And, and would you ever want to meet us? Um, and and I take it that's okay that the system like lets you exchange like notes or in yes. that way. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the contents of the journal are really important. So it, it can't be used to you know try to coerce a parent you know into you know walking away from their kid. Um, and and, and it, that's done. I mean, that is that does happen sometimes. So um, so I think it's it's important to note that, I mean, we really just felt like we we needed to reach out to her and tell her a little bit about us um, so that she would feel at ease um, knowing who he, who was caring for him. And we thought she'd write us back and we'd be all friendly and, and she did not. And we asked the, we asked the County what's going on, you know, does she, does she not like us? Does she, does she not read? <laughs> we didn't know. Um, and, and the County said, well, she doesn't, she doesn't want to meet you and she doesn't want to write you back in the journal. She's pretty upset um, that her son went to two moms oh, and oh. she had told somebody not, in the, not about foster care, but about, Right. Oh, exactly. I did not even see that coming. Wow. Yeah, she was she was unhappy that he went to a non-traditional home and and had been prepared supposedly had been prepared to walk away um had he had he been placed in a mom dad home. Oh my god. Oh wow. And she was reconsidering yes, being a better being a parent just because you were two moms. Wow. Correct. Oh my goodness. So we were like, "Oh, yeah, I guess right." we are lesbians and we forget that sometimes. And we just forget that that's an issue for people sometimes. Right. Um, We're all people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, so yeah, we, we were like, wow, okay, that's that then, huh? Um, but that, that didn't sit well in, and we wanted to re- continue reaching out because we thought, I, I bet we're not the people that she imagines us to be. And if we could just meet her, she would, she would see that. Um, so we kept persisting and asking the county to set up what's called an icebreaker meeting, which is the first and really only meeting between parents and foster parents. And it typically happens pretty early on in, in a case for the purpose of, of, you know, us, the foster parents gathering information that we need to have about the child in order to best care for them. So we asked for that meeting, asked for it, asked for it. Finally, finally at week six, um, he was about to start daycare and she said yes to an icebreaker. And, and so how he hasn't started daycare at this point. So is one of you staying home every day? So we traded off. Um, that was what we had to do. Um, we, we just took, you know, I would take a week and then Vanessa would take a week. Um, it, it was hard and, and, you know, Boulder County now offers (laughs) a significant amount of parent leave, um, which works out for a lot of people now, um, and, yeah, and was great. not available to us at the time. <laughs> um, we actually now even have a bring your baby to work policy. Um, oh, wow. And, and, but it wasn't in place for any of our three babies. Um, so, but that's progress, right? So, um, so yeah, we just had to kind of piece it together and, until he was old enough to go to daycare, um, which was funded by the county, which was in- incredible. Um, we couldn't, we really probably couldn't have fostered him without that. Um, so, so yeah, we, we met her at week six and I think there were a lot of nerves building up to that meeting, um, having already felt a little bit of judgment, um, from mom. What'd you wear? How many times did you change? Oh my gosh. I don't even remember what I wore. (laughs) That's a great point. I I can't even remember. I'm sure, I'm sure I put some thought into it because I, I, you know, I'm sure she expected us to show up, you know, in like leather and chains or, you know, um, (laughs) rainbows and unicorns. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we could have, but we're just not really those people. Um, But that's what you're wearing right now, leather and Totally. You know it. You know, I mean, it was Pride Week last week up here. So, (laughs) Um, so yeah, and and we walked in and and she was lovely, lovely. And, and you know, dressed up and we realized, you know, what a vulnerable position uh, she was in um, to have a meeting like this with us. She was probably as nervous as you were. Yeah, Yeah. probably more, I would imagine. Um, I mean, here we are, we've been, we've been sanctioned by the county as, you know, caretakers for this newborn. And she has had this newborn removed from her care. Um, And, and that's a, that's a very, um, that's a very tricky dynamic to navigate in, in a small room. And so we, I think upon, upon meeting her, we both were like, you know what? She could, she could actually do this. She could really, she could probably just parent him. And would it be amazing? You know, would she make all the same decisions that we would? Probably not. Um, but that's not really what it's about. Um, we didn't, we didn't see safety issues. We didn't hear anything really concerning. Um, 
Did they tell you why the baby was taken away? Like how much detail do they give you? Okay. Yeah. You do get the reason for placement. Um, but, but it really varies about other details because it's, it's all information that is kept pretty confidential for the parent's sake. Um, and foster parents are on a, a need to know basis. Um, but you know, you could argue that there's, there is a lot we do need to know, um, about why this child was removed, um, so that we know how best to care for them. But in this particular case, I mean, really, it was just that mom was not really prepared to parent him. And, and it turned out that she had, uh, she had formed an adoption plan for him during her pregnancy and, and had planned oh. to give him up for adoption. But then had she chosen adoptive parents. She had. And oh, we wow. thought, did moment, you know that? Yeah, well, not initially, um, but we did find that out um, and thought, oh gosh, you know, um, yeah. this, this was a family in Texas. And we, we momentarily thought that they would be, you know, they would have a stake, you know, um, I don't actually know the details of how far along she was in that process, um, except that it was squashed when she got married in the middle of her pregnancy. And he became the presumed father of her baby and had to sign off on the adoption. And and he would not. He wouldn't? Right. And and so then by the time the baby was born, um, they were no longer together. They were separated and um, still married, but separated. I think he actually came to one visit um, and um, they, they had, you know, thought about parenting him together. And I think uh, ultimately mom knew that this guy was incredibly abusive. Um, the baby had been exposed to domestic violence in utero and and that if she chose that, if she chose him, um, if she chose to parent, that that the baby would be exposed to that again, and and that she would bring him into that ab- abuse again, um, and she didn't want that. So after our initial icebreaker uh, meeting, that's about forty five minutes long. It ended in hugs and a request from us to do it again, um, to have another meeting with her, which she called the following week and asked us if we would adopt him. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah, and uh, which I guess is pretty unusual. <laughs> oh my God, that just gave me chills. Wow. It's also amazing to see someone turn around their opinion, so like uh, no to two yeah. moms and then to ask you to adopt her child. Right. I mean, I, I think we could have come into that icebreaker meeting as her competition for her child. And if we had come at it from that perspective, it could have gone very differently. And and she could have reached out and said, he's mine. I'm, I'm going to take him. I can do this um, better than him being with, you know, two moms. If we had approached it, you know, in any other way. And, but I think very genuinely we could see that she, she could parent him and, and, and that that would be okay. And, um, who knows if, if she could have done it, I don't know. Um, but, but we obviously said yes to that question. Um, I think she just, I think she really didn't want to parent and, um, was looking for a way out. 
and it, and so that this was really it when she decided that she liked us and we were clearly in love with him. Um, and she did ask us, um, she said, I really like him to have a girlfriend someday. <laughs> we're like, yeah. You're like, nope, only boyfriends. Well, we, we wanted girlfriends and we were kids too. So, yeah, yeah. Wow. We'll just see what we can do about that. Um, Still, oh, jury's oh still God. out on that that's one. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so was the the husband a problem at that point? Because I know he, he was not squashed the previous. Oh, okay. He was not because he wasn't really in the picture, um, and he was quite abusive. Um, and you know, he wasn't biologically. I mean, he wasn't related to this child whatsoever, um, and and really didn't have any investment. I think in. I think he would. I think he would have probably not been in the picture long-term anyway. Um, but that's just, just me guessing. Um, but, but they did, you know, the county has a responsibility to look into paternity. And, and so that was the next step um, in that process was trying to figure out who is dad. And mom had given two different names and, and one other name came out in the midst of, you know, the kind of process. Um, Two of those uh, dads came to test. One never did. Um, she says that's him, but but we don't know. Um, and so no, no one tested to be at the no, no tested nobody positive. tested positive okay. or or even close. So we we still don't know. And and the county terminated rights on John Doe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and okay. yeah, he so became, you had, yeah, you had the child, you became parents. So that was it. You guys had your family. That was, that was, yeah, that was it. That was, you know, that's, that's the end of the story. One and done. End of story, right? Yeah. <laughs> he, he became eligible for adoption at 18 months. And, and so Vanessa adopted him from Boulder County. Um, we couldn't adopt him together, of course, because we weren't married. Um, and so Vanessa adopted him first and then I adopted him 28 days later in a second parent adoption, um, back in 2012. Um, and we had a, a giant adoption party and we just tell Jaden that we Aww. loved him so much. We had to adopt him twice. Um, <laughs> and he believes us. Um, yeah. So then uh, about a little less than a year later, um, we got another call. We got a call for a five week old boy. Um, that's our Christopher. Um, he, he became ours after a 16 month fostering process. Um, right before his adoption, um, like the Friday before his Monday adoption, we got a third call. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. For an eight month old girl. Um, and and wow. we said yes to her and she stayed too. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, so then we closed. So you, did you ever, <laughs> you never had a foster experience where they didn't stay? We did not. Wow. That's, and that's unique, right? I that's think not so. The norm. Mm -hmm. No, that's not really the norm. And, and yet we were not on a special list. We weren't, you know, priority, you know, priority family or, you know, anything like that. There's none of that going on. It was just a matter of saying yes. And, and, you know, every time we said yes, we got a kid who wasn't able to return home. Um, 
And, and, you know, I think that was kind of the beginning of a, a, a trend that we see here in Boulder County right now, um, which, which is a lot of little kids, um, a lot of little kids coming into care. Um, and most of those are not going back to their birth parents. Well, that's, that's not entirely true. Um, we are pretty good at getting kids back home. Um, but the issues are pretty, the issues that are removing kids from their homes are pretty severe. And so the cases are taking even longer. So our, our, the time of care, time spent in care right now for kids is right now two and a half to three years before they reach permanency. So um, we thought we were, you know, in a hard situation with 18 months, um, at, you know, but that was nothing. <laughs> that's just the beginning yeah. for many of our families right now. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we adopt, after we adopted our third, um, we closed at court as foster parents and I started uh, the job the next day. So. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> and that job was to become the, the foster, the parent, foster parent engagement specialist. Correct. Yeah. Wow. That's the one. Uh, yeah. So for those people who are thinking that foster care might be an option and just don't know much about it, what does that process look like? I, I know you mentioned that you did a three-day course and then now it's not that. So right. is, it, is it now one day? No. Is it other ha, day? No. <laughs> no. In fact, it is now eight weeks. Um, eight weeks. Eight oh weeks. Um, and, wow. you know, we did that for a couple of reasons. The, the training is actually combined with foster families and kinship families, so grandparents who are caring for their grandchildren, aunts and uncles, caring for nieces and nephews. And the Friday, Saturday, Saturday training was incredibly challenging for, for our kin families to attend um, and get that time off. That Friday off was really hard. As well as the fact that it, the amount of information that our, that our families were having to absorb in, in a day, in an eight hour training, I mean, it was just incredibly challenging to to really let all of it sink in um, and and have it really uh, uh, have them apply it when they when they needed to. Um, so we decided to we we decided to switch it up. So it's been about four years now that we've been doing the eight week training. Um, so it's three hours per week for eight weeks. So it's one one night a week for eight weeks, really. Yeah. It's still a big commitment though. Cause, mm -hmm. cause I'll say, and one of the things when Ellen and I were talking about you coming on is that I was like, I'm so fascinated by this because the biggest objection we get to surrogacy is people go, well, why don't you just go foster? It, it's, it's just, it's easy to just go foster. Uh, and mm -hmm. it just absolutely is like, I'm always, from my perspective, I'm always going, well, it's not that people who want to go through surrogacy are saying that fostering is not a good right, option. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's not just as easy as just walking in and picking a kid up off the right. shelf, you know? It doesn't work no, that way. No, it does way. not. Yeah. No, I, and I mean, I think it it is a pretty straightforward process, I will say that. But I, I wouldn't say it's an easy process. I mean, it's a it's a pretty intensive process, and and the training itself is you know really in depth when it comes to how to care for for our kids um, because the because again the issues that we're seeing that are bringing kids into foster care are so there's there's so much harder than they've ever been, and you know it, it's. It, 
it's just not, it's, it's not an easy training to, to be in. Um, so, uh, it's an, it takes an emotional toll, I think. <laughs> yeah. What does the screening look like for intended or potential foster parents? I've heard it's much harder than for adoption for like a private adoption. Yeah, I think the home, I, I mean, I've never been through a private home study, but but the home study to be a foster parent is is pretty in depth because we have to, we, we look at everything from, you know, your your childhood, things that happened to you as a child um, and, and how you were disciplined. What was your relationship with your parents, your siblings, childhood friends? Um, what what shaped you? And, and what are the things that, where were the bumps along your road that are going to actually help you as a foster parent? Um, because what our kids are not is perfect. They are coming from situations that are incredibly hard and incredibly traumatic. And, and if, if you've never had to, if you've never known, you know, anybody who was addicted to something, if you've never known anybody who was trying to get out of, of, of a domestic violence situation, these things are going to be incredibly hard to deal with as a foster parent. It's going to be hard to have empathy for what our parents are dealing with. Um, and that becomes pretty critical in, in being a successful foster parent. Thank you so much for everything you do, for what you've done for your kids and what you've, I mean, for your, your own children and for helping other people who are to, to do this as well. It's incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was really fun. I appreciate it. Thank you, Samantha, for sharing both your personal story and all of your expertise in the foster care area. Hopefully, this has been a great resource for those thinking that this might actually be an option um, and give them more information to, to decide if that is something they want to pursue. Yeah. I mean, we hear that a lot that, you know, that, oh, well, you, you should foster, you know, and it, we just do not know how to give people those resources. So it's really great to know that counties and state governments out there have these really great programs and, and part of that that people can, can take a part in. Speaking of taking part, if you want to take part with us, definitely please always feel free. Give us a call, 303-997-1903, or leave us a review. We, we love to hear from everybody. Um, in any way, shape, form, send us smoke signals, uh, grab us at events. I mean, not like in a creepy way, grab us at events, but definitely. <laughs> we, Rate us we, on iTunes. Uh, we like that. Right? That's always yeah. nice. You know, give comments on iTunes, you know, feedback yeah. of what we can do better. We like that too. Right. Guest ideas. We'd love to hear guest, guest ideas. ideas. Please, who good. do you want to hear? Come on here. So, but uh, in the meantime, until we hear from you, we will settle for thanking everybody on our awesome, awesome crew. Uh, thanks to Chris at Work at Bird Studios, to Tyler, Amanda, Ashley, and Lexi, all on our team who make us feel and sound phenomenal every day. So thank you guys. 